Hello, and welcome back to The Snub Club, the podcast where we talk about the movies of the most Oscar noms and no wins whatsoever. I'm your host, Danny Vincent, and let me tell you, I'm going to write a long letter to my wife. Uh, bonsoir, je m'appelle Sarah, et avec moi, qu'est-ce que? Hey, get your oysters, get your clams, it's me, Caleb. I wasn't going to do a French accent. See, I thought this movie took place in Italy for a long time, a long amount of the run time. It may, I'm still not sure. All right, so we are at the 34th Academy Awards. We are in 1961, but before we to get into our main show, we have to talk about the 95th Academy Awards, in which several movies got nominations. In fact, you could say almost every movie everywhere all at once got nominations. Just kidding. The Woman King and Till got nothing. But <laughs> among others. <laughs> but Did the Woman King not even get a song? No, it missed everywhere. It's a complete that sucks. Blank. I like that song. Well, song, I was very happy about the song lineup just because Chow Papa missed. That was really it. I was like, Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio got one nomination in animation, which is the only nomination I can be okay with it on. So, yeah. So, should I read aloud the nomination leaders just so we can have them like on the record for the pod? Go for sure. it. Sure. All right, with 11 nominations, is everything everywhere all at once. Um, with nine nominations each, it's All Quiet on the Western Front and The Banshees of Enishirin, which is probably the first time I've ever said that need sort of right. Then with eight nominations is Elvis, with seven nominations is The Fablemans, with six nominations is Tar and Top Gun Maverick, with five nominations is Black Panther Wakanda Forever, with four nominations is Avatar The Way of Water, and then we hit the realm where it's kind of like, yeah. at this point, I assume one movie will lose before him. I guess we could always hit this tiebreaker of like multi-way tie of having to cover multiple movies where three nominations are Babylon, The Batman, Triangle of Sadness, and The Whale. But I, I don't think we're going to get that one. Personally. And with one nomination was to Leslie. <laughs> And she's innocent. They said that she's, she's innocent. innocent. She's been acquitted of all charges. <laughs> <laughs> I do feel kind of bad. I mean, I do feel bad for Andrea Wright. I don't think it was her at all. I yeah, think she's a scapegoat fault. in this whole situation. Well, we all know there's one other nom in that category that's way worse. There's also another nom in that category that I would say is a supporting performance. So, really, you know. So, should we talk about the noms in general, or should we just go into like what we think the snub club movie will be? There are some, there are some, there are some noms here I'd like to shout out as good. Sure, Brian Tyree Henry and Causeway, or in general, just Brian Tyree Henry being an Oscar-nominated actor now. Listen, he needs to be a consistent presence at the Oscars. Yeah, hundred percent agree. Actually, the really cool thing about the Oscars to me, and I'm sure you both heard this already, is that this is the most there's ever been first-time acting nominations in a year. There are 16 new actors, so which means it'll be quicker for you to say the returning nominees, which would be Kate Blanchett, who is the only previous winner, uh, Michelle Williams, Angela Bassett, and Judd Hirsch. Those are the only four returning nominees. 
Everyone else is new, which is pretty exciting. Um, yeah. Other cool stuff, the sad I like keep dropping to people is that I saw both Austin Butler and Stephanie Hsu five years ago in, in New York when they were both playing fifth build roles on Broadway, which, yes, it's still Broadway, but it's not like anyone left the SpongeBob musical talking about Karen. That's Plankton's computer wife. I, I believe that, and I may be speaking out of turn, but I believe that Stephanie Sue is the first queer actor to be uh, nominated for playing a queer character in several years. Oh, yeah, in several years, yes. Because the last one I saw, and so it's going to crack me, which is fair, but I'm just going to say what I saw, which is true because I just saw the phrase I found, was the last one was, I believe, Ian McKellen in Gods and Monsters playing James Whale. Sarah's going to correct me. It was Angelina Jolie and Girl Interrupted. Which is slightly more recent than Gods and Gods and Monsters. It's literally is not, a year later. Yeah, yeah. It's, like, it's not that far off from Gods and Monsters. But if we stacked up every straight actor who's played a <laughs> queer character and got nominated for it, that'd be a pretty tall, tall building. Just never speaking forget. Speaking of Gods and never Monsters forget. and Brendan Fraser. <laughs> Never forget Sam Smith, the first openly queer man, the first openly gay man to win an Oscar. And he, first, first of all, they're not a, they're not even a man. Second of all, not the first openly gay man. Not even in the cat. Literally, just speak for Elton. The second, Elton John has won like three of these. Actually, I think he's only won three or two. It doesn't matter. Um, I do feel bad for them because they were like, I was so drunk. <laughs> Um, I will say in general your best picture lineup in case you couldn't guess from what we said the only one I didn't say that was in the best picture lineup was, was Women Talking which got only one other nomination for adapted screenplay which I have to imagine it wins um, even without seeing it because it definitely feels like the type of thing where people will now see it because it's nominated because if they're voters be like ah shit we probably should have nominated that for more and then just get vote for adapted screenplay anyway you think it might pull a, I mean, a coda ah no I don't think I think every I think the everything everywhere all at once um, wave has been unstoppable since March, and I don't think it's going to stop now. And because the thing is, to me, always this year is like, okay, so the young people love everything everywhere all at once, but what do the old people like? And I look at this list, I'm like, I don't think the old people like can come because you know, like people love Top Gun or they love the Pimpins. They don't really like both. I've noticed. So it's like, what would they collide around to try to overtake the everything everywhere sweep? I think everything everywhere I don't know. has picture in the bag. I I'd be very surprised. Knock on wood for because I would like for it to win. Um, and if it loses, whatever. I just don't see what could beat it. Is I think it'll win picture, but I definitely don't think it'll win director. I think that Spielberg is probably going to win director. Yeah, it feels like a sorry. Feels like a consolation prize, like Power of the Dog was last year. You know, I do think that women talking. Like every year you kind of have this one heavy ensemble movie that's kind of hard to get any acting because if you're if you're campaigning all of these performances are all worth campaigning, then it, you're gonna split the vote. So I I feel like Women Talking is just the latest film that's like, oh yeah, we really should have an ensemble award. I mean, there is an ensemble <laughs> award, it's sad, but yes, they should add one here. I've said that I think I've always said there's three categories you should add to the Oscars. There's ensemble where you give it to the casting director there's because you, you just should in my opinion you know it's not like sag where it's like you're the screen actor skilled so of course you're gonna give it to the screen actor. i think you should give it to the casting director if it's an oscar 
Um, I think you should add, because you know they always want people to tune in, you add a vocal performance or mocap performance combined category. Although I I recognize, usually I'm always like, yeah, just combine it. But this year I'm like, well, if you did that, all the knobs are going to be Avatar if you combine it this year. <laughs> but, because um, normally mocap I don't think is nearly as good as it is. Like, as translucent. But anyway, that's a side note. Um, and then you also, of course, add the stunt ensemble category. because. Top Gun obviously wins that immediately. John Wick would have won that a couple years ago. John Wick 3 would have won that a couple years ago. Mission Impossible would have, It'd basically be the Tom Cruise Award. But in years Tom Cruise doesn't have a movie out, it'd be exciting. In years past, before like CGI took oh, like over the awards category or the special effects category, is would stunts have fallen under that? I don't believe so. Because me- the so. thing is. Yeah, because I feel like if it, if it ever did, I think the Mad Max Fury Road campaign would have gone on that. You know what I mean? Even if it isn't relevant yeah, anymore, they'd true. be like, but look what we did now. <laughs> but I feel like I feel like we just, I mean, SAG has a stunt award. So I feel like, I think stunt is obviously the next one. Because if SAG doesn't even have a voice actor performance award, I don't think the Oscars are going to add one. But I think I don't think the Oscars are gonna add any awards for a while. Well, they, well, people have been asking for stunt free like since before Fury Road came out, and Fury Road even like obviously since then it's been like you have to add this, and they still haven't. And yet, I just remember me like popular film. Why are you adding that when you could add stunt for stunts? Yeah, guys, what do we think's gonna win best cheer moment this year? The exact same moment. The Flash running. <laughs> <laughs> they keep entering the speed force. I mean, they're all going to say they want it. I mean, I know what I'm voting for. I'm voting for, I don't know. Come back to me. I think of a dumb, I mean, I, a dumb... I guess it could come out in any year. It doesn't have to be this year. It's true. <laughs> I'm voting for Gabriel again, like I did last time. <laughs> I just love that Wait, Megan dancing! Megan dancing! Yeah, yeah I'm voting for Megan. moment. Well, Allison Williams did um, present the awards, and I did like how they introduced the because uh, it was Riz Ahmed and Allison Williams. It was like Academy Award winner Riz Ahmed and producer of Megan Allison Williams. <laughs> Wait, she had money in Megan too. Yeah, Man, I mean, she, yeah. Just, she was really, she really had involved. A great in January. It. <laughs> she must have had a great January. She was like a very hands-on producer, so good for her. Yeah, I mean, the movie's good. Um, notable snub for me was Wendell and Wild, but whatever, who cares? I'm trying to think of anything else here that missed that was maybe surprising. Oh, here's my annoyance as a completionist. Diane Warren's Best Original Song nomination at the time the nominations came out had 30 views on Letterboxd. All of them came from the Academy screening room. This movie does not seem to exist. It played a, it played a qualifying run in one theater in New York, one theater in L.A., for one week in October. It's called Tell It Like a Woman. I want to watch it. I always watch everything. It doesn't even seem like that obscure of a movie. It's directed by Catherine Hardwick. It doesn't seem like it would be that Well, difficult. it's not just her. It's an ensemble. So she directed... It's, it's an anthology film. So she directed one of the films. I just want to know when it's going to come out so I can see it. Literally, I just went to the... I just went to the um, Wikipedia page. Release. Box office. This section is empty. You can help by adding to it. Great, thanks. <laughs> I I'm looking at this music thing, and I've I've not heard applause because I haven't seen Tell It Like a Woman. 
I besides Natu Natu drop all of these. Lift me I, up is gonna win. I firmly believe Lift Me Up is gonna win. I don't hate Lift Me Up, and I like Rihanna, so I'd be fine with that. But ne- like, I really thought um, Rise Up would get in here, and well, I like Rise Up a lot. There's think- also like I'm gonna be honest, like there's no way Hold My Hand would miss either. Like Lift Me Up and Hold My Hand are like the most locked in this. Like definitely getting a nom, I just no matter what. I I cannot i don't think i even know like probably because i don't like top gun maverick so i left the theater right when the credits were rolling i don't think i could tell you a single note i can sing all hold my hand to you and has nothing to do with the movie it has to do the fact that literally whenever i walk in a walgreens it's just blaring it's like hold my hand hold my hand it's literally just hold my hand over and it's like everything will be okay (laughs) she kind of just like belts it out Oh, and just so you know, Vegas was disqualified, Caleb, so you can't complain about Vegas missing. Which okay. I, first of all, uh, those do I think, that, do I think that Vegas that. should have been nominated? No. But do I think its reason for getting disqualified is very dumb? Kind of. Look, I'll say this. Hold my hand. Lift me up. Not to, not to, obviously. I don't remember the song from every finger for all at once, but I'm sure it was better. All of these are better than Chow Papa from Pinocchio. I always said that if Chow Papa made it in when nobody like you did not even make the shortlist, I would become a supervillain. And Chow Papa missed. Nobody like you from Turning Red. You know the song they sing the okay. entire movie. Yeah, yeah, that honestly should be. It's in here. not even. I'm actually, it didn't I even guess, make top fifteen. That Crazy. was kind of my surprise is that Billie Eilish was not included, but I guess she did just win. Well, I think it's just I think the movie was kind of you know. It was buried by streaming. I have an entire podcast about that. You don't need to hear me rant about the Turning Red distribution again. Um, I'm just going through real quick. Uh, biggest lock of the night, besides obviously supporting actor and visual effects, what do you guys think it would be? Original screenplay. For everything everywhere? I could see. I, I agree. I, I, I agree that, yes, it will go to that. I don't know if I'd call it the biggest lock, because I could see like someone being like people... Even people who are really big on everything who like Banshees be like, I want to give Martin McDonough something, you know, and vote, maybe vote for that there. I don't think Tar will. I know some people are like, Tar might get it. I'm like, I don't, no. I don't think Tar overtakes that there. What about you, Caleb? I think they're going to give John Williams an award to go out on since he's announced his retiring. He unannounced it's, it already, it's... though. But I... Oh, did he? Okay, never mind then. Who knows? I would say score is such a toss up. Because Babylon missed a lot of the big ones. Because even with Babylon's mixed respect, I kind of expected it in picture. I kind of expected it in supporting actor. Didn't make either of those. Thankfully, <laughs> I'm very glad Brian Tyree Henry took Brad Pitt's slot. Thank God. Um, but so to me, I'm like, well, the Babylon score is probably very, as someone who's seen all these movies, the Babylon score is by far the best score nominated here. Even people who hate Babylon like that score. But, you know, without a picture, I'm like, does it have support? And I'm kind of like, well, Carter Burwell has never won an Oscar. So maybe if he, like, starts campaigning for that, I could see Banshees taking that one, maybe. Even though I don't remember the score of it. You know, just having, like, the, the attitude. I'd say the biggest lock, even though I guess I should... I guess also for out the animation international features, because those are pretty locked, too. I don't know, actually. What, I guess, what do you think's going to win international? All Quiet? If All Quiet has nine nominations, there's no way it loses international against a bunch of movies that only have one nomination. And it's True. in that category. But what about my, but what about my main donkey, Eo? That, by the way, that category is super embarrassing too. Uh, did you look at that lineup? 
Well, I do think there's a pretty mm-hmm. obvious snub in there, but there's two obvious snubs, I'd say. Decision to leave, obviously, and then Saint Omar. It's getting a but lot of buzz. International is always such a weird category anyway, because the countries pick it. Well, those two were submitted and made the shortlist. That's why I can say that. That's why that's why I'm not the guy who's going like, where's RRR? Because I know RRR wasn't submitted. But yeah. like the other two, I'm like, these were submitted. Um I've seen them both. I'm not big on St. Omar, but I definitely like appreciate it. And also I definitely think if I rewatched it, I'd get way more out of it. Uh, it should probably be here over. Well, I guess I can't really say I haven't seen them, but I've heard really bad things about Puss. Maybe I'll really like it. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I guess actually I would agree with you, Sarah. Probably everything everywhere in original screenplay would be by biggest lock. Now that I'm really looking at these. Oh, no, I'm dumb. My biggest lock of stuff we haven't said is Top Gun for sound. I feel like that's that would be where I'd put it. My biggest lock is Top Gun for sound. Top Gun and Avatar, though. Dueling out for effects. I think that Avatar will get it. Avatar is a lock. Yeah, I think it's a lock. (laughs) That that to me is like I'm like visual effects is locked, supporting actors locked. Everything else I can't say is a lock yet. But I can see I can see Top Gun upsetting. I don't. If Top Gun, I'll say this: if Top Gun upsets visual effects, I will turn off the Oscars until I know Top Gun won Best Picture. That will be my attitude. Is if Top Gun somehow gets visual effects, I'm like, okay, it won Best Picture. That's that's fine. Like, I don't need to watch the rest of this. All right. So, should we talk about what we think the Snub Club movie? If we must, can you give if can you give me a rundown of the top noms again? All right, I'm not going to give the bottom three because I really do not. Because as I said, I think Avatar. Is pretty locked to win visual effects, so I'll cut it off at Avatar. So eleven with everything, everywhere, all at once. Tied at nine is All Quiet on the Western Front and Banshees of Inisherin. See, I butchered it that time. First time I got it right, butchered it. Eight is Elvis. Seven Fablemans. Six is Tar and Top Gun Maverick. Five is Black Panther: Wakanda Forever, and four is Avatar: The Way of Water. Maybe you Which should read those. Maybe you should read those other ones. <laughs> okay, wait, wait. Can I say before I read the what I consider the honorable mentions? Is I do think it's interesting that somehow Wakanda Forever got more nominations than Avatar, but Wakanda Forever didn't get a picture nom. I was very surprised by that um, and how it racked up a lot of the tech awards I didn't necessarily expect it in. Okay, so the tie noms are Babylon, and these are our three each. Babylon, Batman, Triangle of Sadness, The Whale. I'll be honest, if we get to the three, I think we're going to cover all three. I really do. Unless The Whale gets makeup, in which case we'll cover the other three. I don't think any of these other three are going to win anything. Maybe Babylon wins score, but I don't think we're going to get that far away, personally. To me, I think we have three options, which is, all at the top, I think we got Banshees, we could have Fablemans, we could have Tar. And all those are, because all those to me are like, in contention, very high contention for one big award, but then if it misses, I'm like, well, where else do you award it? Because, because yeah. Banshees is obviously Colin Farrell, but if, Austin Butler pulls it off. I'm like, okay, so where do you reward that movie otherwise? Like maybe score, like I said, if that campaign happens. But Fablemans, Spielberg went for director, or where else? And Tar, if Kate Plant, if Michelle Yeoh wins, knock on wood, I hope she does, even though I recognize that it's very possible slash probable she does not. But if Kate Blanchett, if Michelle Yeoh wins actress, I don't think Tar wins anything. <laughs> so 
Yeah, I'm going to go Banshees. I haven't seen Tar yet, so that might change my answer. But I think I think Cape Blanchett's more of a lock than Colin Farrell is right now. Well, but the thing is, but the thing also to point out is even if Cape Blanchett, if they both missed, it still would mean they both don't win anything, right? And then Banshees would be higher, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because that's why I'm going with Banshees. Because I personally think Michelle Yeoh will win. Uh, best actress and i hope i'm hope dicting it as they say um but i also am like feral colin feral i want to win i hope he wins i really don't see the alternate option because i always i've been saying this the whole season i think austin butler's too young to win i think brennan fraser is in too divisive a film to win even though he has the narrative but it's just two up in the air, so I will go with Banshees because, again, Colin doesn't win. Where could it win? Sarah, what, what do you, do you think, think, Sarah? I think it's going to be a four-way tie. <laughs> oh, no. I okay. really do. Well, I really well, do. I, I want to know what you think Banshees... Uh, well, just really what Banshees win. Because I feel like Fabian's Best obviously used to... Okay, well... Okay. <laughs> <laughs> But I thought you okay. I guess I guess I'm complaining. I thought you it's said not about who I want to win. Obviously, oh, I want Austin Butler to win. Oh, okay, okay. I thought for some reason I thought you said you were thinking Butler was going to win. Um, okay, well that's fair. I think um, I think every everything everywhere all at once wins picture, supporting actor, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I think Fablemans wins best director. I think Tar wins for Blanchett. I think right? Tar wins. I think Blanchett wins for Tar. I think All Quiet on the Western Front wins for. Maybe I mean international. Maybe makeup. I don't know. I think Elvis wins for like costume, cinematography, design, editing, hopefully. whatever. Cinematography, hopefully. Oh, I um, think by the way, I think everything everywhere is editing. That's I do kind of think that too. <laughs> um, I think Top Gun wins for song. I think I think Wakanda Forever wins best supporting. Obviously, Avatar wins visual effects, and I think that leaves <laughs> these four, these four duds down here. Listen. Well, I do think Babylon and the Whale have solid chances of winning technical Oscars, which would leave Batman, which would be a very weird thing to be like, yeah, we're talking about Batman this week. Um, and Triangle of Sadness, which is... Uh, I do think it's very funny how, how Elvis, the Whale, and the Batman are all nominated for makeup for putting an actor in a fat suit. Oh, you're right. <laughs> Wait, um, which one? Sorry, Batman, the whale, and what? And Elvis. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I actually, you know what? I honestly have just been like, oh, yeah, Elvis could win that because of all the Elvis hair. And just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, Tom Hanks. Is the, I completely, like, it's just completely, like, there's the awards identity of that movie, which is just Austin Butler, and, like, that scene where it's, like, he's, like, it's cutting, like, between all of his costumes on stage, and that's, like, the awards Elvis. And then there's, Actual Elvis in the movie, which is Tom Hanks in the corner being like, "You think I'm a villain, don't you?" He's alive. <laughs> here's what I'll go for. Uh, or here's what I'll say. I'm rooting for Elvis to lose everything because I think that would make the most fun episode. I love Elvis. I just don't think that that's gonna happen. There's I, no I way Elvis think... doesn't get a tech award. That's the thing to me. Elvis yeah. has to get one of the tech awards. And I'm very sad because I'm always rooting for us to not have to do an episode for a year and for everything to win at least one thing, but that's not going to happen this year. I mean, I think Banshees would be a good episode. 
as much as I want Colin to win, I would much rather have a Banshees of Inisher in an episode than Colin Farrell. Well, I'd rather Colin Farrell wait to win an Oscar here's so the thing. we can do this episode. If it is a four-way tie, I get an opt-out. I'm not watching The Whale. So. It's true. I, again, though, I really, I really think, I, I think The Whale is probably going to get me to go. It's the most showy movie to me in that category. Like the entire movie is just a fat suit, right? Like that, that's literally the that's the movie. I hate to be like it's it's a bad movie, but it is a bad movie. You can say it. No, no, it's a bad movie, but it literally is sold on. Look at this makeup fat suit. I can't suit. disagree with you, Danny. <laughs> I like how the only two I haven't seen are the two that we're actually like. Yeah, well, there's no way the whale, the bat. Well, I mean, there's literally no way the Batman or Triangle Sadness wins anything. Like no. that's a fact. Babylon could get score, and the whale could get makeup. But I really do think it would be Banshees or even Fablements. I think it's still very possible that the Daniels get director. So I just think that's such a full sweep. I mean, it's happened before. I mean, see, but it'd be a full sweep like, without the thing to me that's so funny to me is that it feels like Birdman kind of, except that I like this movie because I remember Birdman like won everything except for like the lead actor. And if that happened with everything, everyone, I'd, honest, I'd be like, I feel like I'm the worst because I'm not in every, I don't think I'm like the, you know how there's a type that's like the everything everywhere fandom where it's obnoxious. I don't think I'm there, but I have said like really honestly, I don't really want swim texture or these other things. I just want Quan and you to win, which I know is still asking a lot. But it's like I I don't care everyone's picture or director. I'd rather these two actors win. <laughs> like, but I it's always been that's what I was wanting. Yo, Quan and screenplay. I hope Andrea Riseborough wins. See, that's that's how that's how um, this is my um, Steve Kornacki or whatever it is guy. My my analyzing is if Andrea Riceboro's nomination is allowed to continue, that's how Michelle Yeoh wins because she's siphoning the votes from Blanchett. She's not going to siphon from Yeoh. She's Wait, not. Danny, <laughs> she... <laughs> point of order. I was just thinking about this fantasy in my head of we never have to watch something for a year. Would we just do all the shorts that didn't win if that happened? I mean. It's just, I mean, it's, we've, I think there was, I think there is a year, and it was early on, I think it's actually the first year, right? I think the year of the crowd, I think it was only nominated for one, but there was only so few awards that it was like, well, I had one and it lost, so we had to talk about it, um, but it's, it's, it's impossible, like, it. Lit- I know, no, I know you're saying that, Caleb, is like, oh, this is a fun thing, but it's like, okay, so... Babylon the Batman Triangle Sadness win. Okay. Good. No, no. So then we get to Living and like Women Talking. Year. How can Living and Women Talking both win an award? <laughs> no, no, no. Think of like a theoretical year where like, and you would have to ignore like best original song and stuff because that completely throws off the. No, no, the, no. We'd have to watch Tell Like Woman. That's what you're asking me. We well, and Woman. you would like the foreign films, they would only be nominated for one. So Ooh, it would always true. be a feature before short. And a couple animated films. Too. We have to talk about the Sea Beast. Yes, the Sea Beast is going to pull it off. I don't know. <laughs> I haven't seen it yet, so maybe. I um, still, I would much it. rather if it got to that point. As loath as it would be to do eight additional episodes, eight to eleven additional episodes for everything that only had one award, I think that would be very funny. <laughs> I will say, though, you know, I've hinted at this for a while, but there is a year in the 2000s where it is a five-way tie. So, 
kill me now. <laughs> Five isn't high enough to be funny. It's like, it's going to be like, this is our two-month series on the year 2005. <laughs> and there's a movie that just missed that year, too. It was like the one underneath, which would have been a really fun movie to watch. Yeah, well, I think I could say that now for Caleb, or we should save it. We should probably save it. I think it'd be funny to say that, actually. Because then Caleb would be like, oh, thank God we're not doing that one. Oh, like I'm going to remember. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'd remember if we said this. It's a movie we have talked about extensively before. Not on this podcast. I may not even be alive. Who knows? Wow, that was really dramatic. Okay. <laughs> no, I, this is my only podcast with an end date. And I do think about my death a lot. And so it has come up in my mind. You have to get Ethan Hawke to replace you. What is the... Why Ethan Hawke? Because he was going to replace Richard Linklater oh, if he ever died. Are you? Wait, is this? The, oh yeah. Is this? Is this your Banshees of Inisherin? Your Brendan Gleeson. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. All right. I do want to say one last thing before we move on, which is I said this. Some. I think I said it to Caleb when I was recording an episode of my ever show with him. Is there is, as someone who watches the presentation live. I never imagined I'd feel so much relief from the announcement of women talking, but it's because they announced nine nominations, right? So it's Triangle of Sadness. I'm like, okay, there's one spot left. And I'm just ready for it to be the whale. And then they say women talking. And I'm like, oh, thank God. <laughs> just so much relief. <laughs> so shall we go back in time? Leave the world of Lydia Tarr and Evelyn Wong behind us. And Don't Elvis. about Leslie. Yeah, we're we're leaving. We're going Leslie. from Leslie. Classic. You know what would be an iconic years of Andrew Weisbro and Tom Escal one. No, 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 no. Hugh Knight needs to win. To be more, <laughs> I think Hugh Knight needs to win to be more iconic. Bill Knight. Oh, I'm sorry. What did I say? Hugh? Did I say Hugh? Hugh? <laughs> and the sun is traumatizing me. I haven't even watched it. So yeah, yeah. It's gonna be Bill Knight, Andrew Riceboro, um, Brian Tyree Henry, and Hong Chow. It's not a bad world to live in. Yeah, it's not. Except that the whale is an Oscar winner. Um, but I've accepted that already. <laughs> you you just are you, you're like me with Michelle Yeoh. You're hope dicting it. You just really want it to happen. <laughs> I didn't realize you were such a big fan of the whale. <laughs> I love Avatar. I will say what cracks me up also about this page is it lists Michelle Williams' character on the Fablements by her like first like. I don't know why it listed by like the other like I assume it's maybe Seth Rogen's character's last name. It's listed as Mitzi Schildkraut Fableman. I'm like she's never called that once in that movie. What is what he just called her Mitzi Fableman? It might be her mom's name. It's either that or it's, at some point, or it could be. I feel like it might. Be, well, I can just check real quick. See if it's Rogan's last, you know, because it would probably just say on the wiki page what Rogan's. Anyway, we're talking about 1960. Wait, I had a good transition. Give me once. It's not uh, stuff for Rogan's character. Now let's go from Leslie to Fanny. Wasn't that nice? Sure. Okay. What are you going to say, Caleb? Fanny. The 34th Academy Award. There was a film with 11 nominations called West Side Story. It won 10 of them. Have you ever heard of it? I haven't. There was another film with 11 nominations called Judgment at Nuremberg. It won two. Another film with not well, sorry, a film with nine nominations, The Hustler, won two. It's a film called The Guns of Navarone. 
It had seven nominations. It won one. Then there's a movie called Breakfast at Tiffany's. It had six nominations and it won two. However, 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 there was another film. Wait, did I say six? There was five nominations for Breakfast at Tiffany's. I think you said seven. No, I said seven for Guns of Navarone. I said okay, six. Okay, all right, for, all right. All right. I, I have the script in front of me. I didn't not read the script. <laughs> I just mistyped the script and said six. Breakfast at Tiffany had five, one, two. However, there were three other films with five nominations and no wins. We will talk about one of them today, one of them in two weeks, and another one in a month. But today we're going to talk about Fanny. Sarah, what was Fanny nominated for? Uh, yeah, Fanny was nominated for Best Picture. It lost to West Side Story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Best Actor for Charles Boyer, who lost to Maximilian Chell for Judgment at Nuremberg. Uh, Boye was nominated three more times. He won one honorary award in 1943 for his progressive cultural achievement in establishing the French Research Foundation in Los Angeles as a source of reference. Uh, Best Cinematography Color for Jack Cardiff, who lost to Daniel L. Fapp for West Side Story. Uh, He was nominated two more times. He won for Black Narcissus, and he won an honorary in 2001 for being a, quote, master of light and color, unquote. Uh, Best Film Editing for William Reynolds, who lost to Thomas Stanford for West Side Story. Uh, He was nominated four more times, and he won for The Sound of Music and The Sting. And Best Score for Morris Stoloff and Harry Suckman, and they lost to Henry Mancini for Breakfast at Tiffany's. Uh, Stoloff was nominated 14 more times and won three. Suckman was also nominated for The Singing Nun, and he won the year prior for Song Without End. Did you mention, sorry if I missed this, did you mention what um, Jack Cardiff was nominated for the year before this? I forget. No. He was nominated for Best Director the year before this. It's kind of cool. He's a cinematographer who directed him the year before. For Sons and Lovers. Good for him. What is the historical context for Fanny? I already told you before we recorded. I don't have any. You still have to say it. It's part of the bit. You, we can't just go past it. Give right, us the hey, historic context you've got ready for Banshees of Inishirin. <laughs> oh, that's going to take a lot of research. <laughs> I will say, Fanny is based on a play. And I did not know how many adaptations there were until I was trying to find this online. There are a lot. Yes. All right. So, Fanny. Fanny is a very complicated story. I keep thinking of something really inappropriate. What? Well, in, in, in America, Fanny means like butt. But in the UK, Fanny means something else. Something really bad. <laughs> what does it mean? It means... <laughs> Get ready to bleep. <laughs> it means... <laughs> Can I just say, I like how you said, it means cut. Get ready to bleep so everyone listening knows what you're about. <laughs> I didn't know it was like at that level. I knew it was a, I knew what it meant. Yeah. And that was bad. I mean, does it mean like, it? In the UK, they say that word all the time. So does it really get bad? <laughs> it's, I, according to my sources, it's not really that bad, but it is like something kind of crude. Like people don't really say it. All right. So what do we what do we think of Fanny? Should I go first? Does no, Caleb I'll go want first. to go first. 
I'm the first. I hated it. I thought it was terrible. I thought it was one of the worst movies we've ever watched. <laughs> that's my that's my take on it. Um, it was a big whatever for me. Uh, I didn't hate it. Um, but also, do I have anything to say about it? Not really. I thought that this movie. I'm giving it two and a half stars on Letterboxd. I really enjoyed watching it. Do I think it's good? No. Did I enjoy watching it? Yes. I think it's very wacky at points. I think it's bizarre how it does not. It's like, I don't think it knows if it's a comedy or a drama. And I kind of like that about it. It's very messy and very dumb. It's, I would never call it a good movie, but I also wouldn't call it a bad movie. That's my take. I would. Well, I, I, yeah, I caught that. You know what was a bad movie? The Whale. I'll never know. <laughs> well, <laughs> Whale. Um, James Whale. This almost adapted. This doesn't this. have this doesn't have that level of sea creature, but it does have fish in it because this takes place by the sea. Danny, what happens in Fanny? <laughs> Wait, Sarah. Sarah, do you think Caleb knows what the whale's about? Because I don't think he, I don't think he does. <laughs> Surely it's not meant to be an offensive title about a bad person. Surely it has to be. Oh no, it's about Moby Dick. It's about Moby Dick. It's definitely about a teacher who likes Moby Dick. Yeah. Oh, okay. It's not the only kind of dick he likes. Oh, whatever. Eat pizza. Speaking of straight actors playing queer characters, he puts jelly on the pizza. I already told Caleb about that. I had a different podcast too. Um. Okay. So, I was about to explain the plot of the whale. So, <laughs> Fanny, Fanny is, oh, I can't, ex- it's just so complicated. Basically, there's this kid named Marius who looks a lot like Sammy Fableman, who is like, hey, I don't want to live here in my boring bartender town. I want to go on the seas. This is when I still, you know, honestly, the whole movie I thought it was Italy. I'm not, I'm not gonna lie to you guys. The entire movie I thought this movie took place in Italy. I, even at the end when you guys were like, oh yeah, this took place in France. I was like, well, are you sure? I'm pretty sure it was Italy. But anyway, Marius wants to go on the open seas. However, Fanny, who is a generic woman who has no thoughts or desires of her own other than wanting to be with Marius, Mar- is like, Marius, why don't we... When I love you. And he's like, oh, I love you too. And he gives these really dramatic performance that I was like, maybe this would be what I nominated for. And I was like, nah, never mind. But then Marius is like, wait, but if I marry you, I'll be stuck as a bartender like my papa. Ciao, papa, he says, because this movie takes place in Italy. And he and Fanny agree to let him go away into the void. Uh, onto the ship where there's a creepy there's a very weird character actor character who like constantly get these close-up shots where he speaks directly to the camera and goes don't you want to go on the sea laddie meanwhile um my my good buddy maurice chevalier chevalier he's gonna be my he's gonna be my number two actor behind m9 chamala maurice chevalier shows up and he goes 
he honestly, like, as I said, there's two movies going on here. There's the melodrama romance that Fanny and Mario is in, and then there's whatever Marie Chevrolet and Charles Boyer are in. He wants to marry Fanny because he's a horny old man. And Ergo, I, I'm just going for the whole plot. I, I, this, is, this, is, this, is, this is me speedrunning. We're going to see how, how, how this goes. Uh, he wants to marry um, Fanny because he likes his woman young, and his wife's been dead for four months. He's like, it's time for me to move on to someone young. The mom of Fanny, whose name I do not remember, but I'll call her Mrs. Fanny or Grandma Fanny or Mama Fanny. I don't know. I'm a fa- man, maybe it's just, maybe I'll just it's call honoring. her Ma. What? Just say the mom. Honoring. She's the only. Amarine. Aquamarine. Aquamarine is like, I want to marry you, um, Ch- uh, Marie Chevrolet. And Marie Chevrolet is like, no, I want to marry your daughter, which I definitely thought was an Italian accent or an attempt at one. So she's like, oh, that's a good idea. You'll make money that way. So they agree that when Mar- Marius goes onto the, the ocean, she will marry. Maurice Chevrolet, because that's what her parents want her to do. However, initially she doesn't do it because Gaspers, she's preggers with Marius's Wait, baby. No, 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 that's not what happens. She says no because she loves Marius, and then Marius says that he loves her, and then they have a night of passion together. I'm ahead of that. I'm ahead of that. I'm talking about after they're on you the skipped. boat. <laughs> you skipped. <laughs> yes, they have a night of passion. It's very nice. He acts really well. He goes, I love you. I love you. I love you. Much like in both Singing in the Rain and Babylon, Damien Giselle, I saw you copying your notes. Anyway, after that night of passion, Marius goes away, and Fanny says she'll marry Marie Chevrolet, but initially she doesn't, because as I said, she's pregnant. She tells her mom, mom's like, you have to marry him. And she tells the, the dad character played by Charles Boyer, who also knows about it. And he's like, yeah, you can do this, and I can be my godson, and yeah, blah, blah. They get married. This is when I lost interest in the movie, even though I still kind of enjoyed it at points. And yeah, the rest of the movie takes place over like six years as this baby grows up. And Marie Chevrolet is like, finally, a son in my family line. Mamma mia. This is so happy. And then he buys a clown. And at the end, they get married. Marius and... The ending is so funny because he's like on his deathbed and then they do like the... They do like... The pan over and it's just somebody jumping on a trampoline. <laughs> I, I love, I love the camera movements in this movie. The camera movements in this movie are ridiculous. They brought, they, they amount to most of my enjoyment of this movie. There's just these ludicrous quick zooms on everyone's faces constantly. There is these incredibly close shots of them just talking to the camera when they're actually speaking to each other. It is bizarrely shot, but I'm really into it. If y'all got lost in Which that explanation, it really comes down to this. A creepy old man wants to marry someone, but she's having someone else's kid. Oh, no. That happens an um, hour into the movie. <laughs> the quick zooms were wild. They, <laughs> the first one happened so early in the movie, and I'm like, oh, that's an interesting little take. And then there's kind of like a, a handheld over the head shot. I'm like, oh, this is like, Something different. We haven't seen this. And then it just kept quick zooming for the entire rest of the movie. Which is great. Editing's an absolute mess. All of those close-ups are just insert shots. They're in completely different like angles most of the time. 
Characters are looking in completely different de- directions. Half the time, it's just cutting to random stuff. I don't... Uh... I posit that the editing is bad, but the cinematography is great. I was never bored looking at my screen in this movie. Like, at the compositions. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say, because, like, let's say let's say this is a basketball game, and there's only a guy who can only shoot from one spot in the court, but he always makes it. That's a boring game to watch, but he's getting the job done. It's kind of similar here. The zooms just kind of bored me, and they were the only real thing going on in the cinematography. Complete opposite for me. Whenever a zoom happened, I cheered. I was like... There it goes again. Like, like, every time a shot happened, I was just, every time a shot happened, I was like, "How is it gonna? How is it gonna pan this? How is it gonna zoom it? How is this gonna be stupid?" It'd make a great drinking game. It really would. I have something to say. This movie was more or less a very loose remake of GG, which came out a few years earlier. Also stars Leslie Karen and Marie Chevalier. He also is lusting after her in Gigi, but she ends up with a younger man. I think that they were trying to profit off of Gigi. Also, Leslie Karen is still alive. Should we send her this? (laughs) (laughs) When was her last time she that, That would make sense, Sarah, because like you dust off a very popular old story I'm not sure how in line this is with everything else, but then you bring together these two people who are in a hit movie. Yeah, that's that's a that is a very uh, plausible I like theory on how this got greenlit, because in reality, I'm really not sure why we're supposed to care about this story. It's really low stakes. It's a very beloved French tale, but. You say it's low stakes. Well, we've got a cast of colorful characters here. Like Marius, who is the most generic white guy lead imaginable. And okay. Fanny, who is also the most generic white girl lead imaginable. Okay. Here's the thing, though. Horst uh, Bukals. He's not white. Am I, am I making an idiot of myself? He's not white? <laughs> no, no, no. He was, he was, he was, he's German. He's okay. white. He... I love him though because he's in Magnificent Seven. Um, he's not playing a white character there; he's playing a Mexican character. But um, does not change how he acts at all. Completely the same in both those movies. But he and his wife had an arrangement where she would live in uh, Paris and he would live in Berlin because he loved the city of Berlin so much. So I think he took a little bit of inspiration from this movie when he and his wife were. Getting getting married. Speaking of this guy, in the same year he's in One Two Three, which is the Billy Wilder movie that I was thinking of seeing at the music box in a couple weeks. Find out next episode if I actually went to go see it. But being in the Billy Wilder movie and this prevented him from accepting the offers to either play. I will say, Citation needed on both of these, according to Wikipedia. But apparently he was offered Tony in West Side Story and Omar Sharif's role in Lawrence of Arabia. Oh. Well. How old was Omar Sharif around this point? Omar Sharif? Well, let me do the math for you. He seems like he would be older. It's been a minute since I've seen Lawrence of Arabia. He would have been 29. It was 29 when Lawrence Raven came out, so he must have been 28 or 27 when they shot it. Huh. Well, 
Originally, Audrey Hepburn was offered the role of Fanny, but she was in Breakfast at Tiffany's and also another movie that came out this year. Oh, I wonder if we'll ever have to talk about that. <laughs> I don't know. Oh, you know, I'm also I'm looking at this guy. You know what else he turned down? He turned down the man without no name in Fistful of Dollars. <laughs> this guy really... turned down a lot of big roles. Yeah. <laughs> And then the other movies are stuff I haven't heard of. Maybe I would have never heard of A Fistful of Dogs if he was in it, though. This is also a weird year because Natalie Wood was nominated for Splendor in the Grass for Best Actress and not West Side Story. Well, we're not... Oh, that's okay. <laughs> you don't need to nominate Audrey, <laughs> Audrey Hepburn had both Breakfast at Tiffany's and this other movie that Danny's already spoiled for me, but I guess we'll keep hidden from the audience. <laughs> yeah. Yes. But she was nominated for... She's nominated for Breakfast at Tiffany's. What a year. But you know what else she wasn't in? Fanny. You know what? It was a really missed opportunity for you when you said from Leslie to Fanny. You should have said from Leslie to Leslie. Oh, yeah. From Leslie to Karen. (laughs) (laughs) This is a movie I I enjoyed, but for entirely superficial reasons is the thing. So it's like, I don't really know what I could talk about. I guess I could talk about the scene where he's like, I like Charles Boyer in this to a degree. He's not going to be my winner, obviously. But the scene where he's like reading the letter and Leslie's reading the letter to him, he's like, oh, oh no, my son, he cannot cook. Oh no, oh no. It's a lot of mug. Again, it's so weird because there's like, that. there's the romance part of this movie that's so melodramatic and there's like nothing, like like everything is so serious there. And then you have the, the two older men who are in like this bizarre, like, farce that makes fun of Italian people. And it's just so weird to me. Makes fun of Italian people while being in France. Okay, I'll say this. I, obviously, I know Maurice has a French accent, but I do think that the actor playing Cesar, Charles Boyer, Boyer, or whatever it is, I think he is doing like an Italian accent. It doesn't sound French to me at all. I don't think so. I definitely think someone here is doing an Italian accent. But I think that's more because they're probably an American actor who can't do a French accent. All right. <laughs> I, I'm really like, I'm at a loss of what to talk about. Even as someone who, because I only think it was like the camera movements, though. Those were crazy. Well, there's one other thing we can talk about. What? And that's the sound mixing in this movie. What about it? It's, it's bad. See, I can't tell though. It's, it's one of those things where I watched it on Peacock, so I can't tell if it's the streaming or if it's the movie. No, it's definitely the movie. I watched a very high quality version of it on YouTube. And so many actors are dubbed. The mom is dubbed. The mom is And it's like dubbed. so many yes. lines are dubbed. And it's like in the middle of a sentence, they'll like cut it with the recording that they did on set. And it just, it's just like, it, it, it creased me out. <laughs> like it's like, at that point, just use the full ADR. Don't mix it like that. No, I would agree. It's very distracting. Caleb, I feel like you haven't talked much this episode. About Fanny. I don't have anything to say. I don't want this to be another we don't talk Pepe about where Fanny. we're just. I don't want us to go on random tangents like we did last well, week. This is a two hour and 15 minute movie. Surely you can find something to talk about in it. Surely there okay. was a scene that you remember from it. Surely there's a side right. character. What about the bowler? What about the priest? Okay. You love talking about okay. Catholics. 
the cathedral did look very nice in this. It was a fun I was talking set. about the priest who stubs his toe. Okay, y'all. I was cooking while I watched this, and let me tell you, I had some pork marinating in lime juice and ponzu sauce. I thought I had put maybe a little bit too much hot pepper or uh, hot sauce on it, but no, it turned out just right. It was delicious. One of the best things I've cooked in a while. I had it with some roast vegetables. I had some squash. I had some. Uh, I had a shallot in there. I had some peppers. Uh, I had. I m- made a little bit of ginger rice with it. Anyway, that's what I'm going to remember when I think about Fanny. You're not going to remember the dog. I did like There's that a dog? dog. I did like that dog. That dog was so cute. When was the dog? The dog was when the priest got stopped. <laughs> the priest I was trying to lead you to talk about. When did this happen? They put the, the rock down. Of the movie. They put the rock down and then they put the bowler hat on top of it. And then they see, like, it's a French thing, I guess. It's a French thing. They say that it's a French thing in the movie, in the dialogue. And very Italian. <laughs> and it's like they kick the hat and then they watch whoever kicks the hat stub their toe and then a priest walks by and everybody's like oh no and the dog yeah, is the dog is like oh no <laughs> dog needed to be more in more than one scene i agree oh no chevalier is fine in it until you remember that his whole character is marrying a woman like less than half his age like a quarter of his age. I don't know. Well, but he just, it's not, I was going to say, I'm, I'm not, I'm joking, obviously, but he just wants a son. No. But. And like when he's talking about how much he wants a son, like it's like, Oh yeah, go for it with, with, with someone else. <laughs> I thought he was extremely creepy and territorial and inappropriate in this movie. Like, oh, who is he to be like, yes. it's my son? No, it's not. <laughs> hey, excuse me. His grandpapa agrees with him. The only person who thinks it's his son is Marius. And if we convince ourselves so much that the truth is true, isn't it true? Makes you think. Was that in the movie, or was that, like, Nazi propaganda? That was Nazi propaganda. (laughs) (laughs) Why did this guy make it a musical? He directed Camelot in South Pacific. I think because they thought it would be too... It would be too silly if it was a musical. They wanted it to be serious. But it is a silly movie. (laughs) Anytime it's not about Marius or Fanny, it's, it's... very goofy. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, that's how you fix this. You turn this into a musical. You get rid of Marius and Fanny. You just make it about all the old guys on the island who like pranking each other. Oh, it looks, like, it's on island. it looks like Charles Boyer could not sing, so he did not want to do a well, musical. So they changed Sarah, the entire movie. Let me tell you something. I don't think this movie has an issue with dubbing. <laughs> so, <laughs> but he didn't want to. Good. Let me show you a movie called called Guys and Dolls. <laughs> or even like West Side Story the same year where Natalie Wood didn't sing at all. Oh my gosh. I, I wish I could talk about this more, even as someone who's like defending the movie. But I feel like we talked a lot about the 95th Academy Awards, but we barely talked about this. Here's the thing, this movie, like, yes, a lot of stuff happens, but it's a pretty, like, not, 
there are a lot of details to not a lot of stuff happening. And like, yeah, we could dive in to to the nitty gritty, but we would just be describing it. I don't think any of us have anything to really say. All right. Well, then let's just pick who our favorite person at the bar was. Was it the British guy? Oh, was he was terrible. The drunk guy? I hate favorite. British guys. I hate British. French guys. <laughs> or was it the guy... I My pick is personally the Dark Horse. The guy who walks in when they're reading the letter. Which is the only scene I've specified out. I'm specifying it out by I don't again. even know. I just know... He like, walks the, in when they read the letter and he's just like, Hey, can I have a drink? And he's like, We're close! Get out of here! There was the, so there was the, the English guy. There was the sailor. And there was the admiral. The admiral was the skinny guy. And the sailor was like kind of pudgy. And he and the, like Eng- the, he and the English guy were kind of, you know, they kind of had yeah. that vibe a little bit. I like the I like the pudgy guy. Is he the one with the beard? Yes. Yes. That was, he kind of looked like Orson Welles a little bit. He's he's who the movie like focuses on in the beginning. And when he's like walking through the like the seaside market, I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. There's going to be antics. There'll probably be music. And then it became something else. Do you like the mom? I like when she's yelling at people to buy fish. When she beat the shit out of Fanny. (laughs) You said that was really funny, but it is accurate. (laughs) All right. I've tried long enough. Sarah, I'm so sorry. For longtime fans of the podcast who really want to hear us talk about Fanny, I can't do it alone. But it's okay. What was this nominated for, Sarah? Yeah, uh, this is nominated for Best Picture, Best Actor for. Best Actor for Charles Boyer, uh, Best Cinematography Color, Best Film Editing, and Best Score. You guys know what I'm giving it cinematography. Zoom, 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 zoom. <laughs> I literally have no idea what I'm going to give this. Um, zoom, zoom, zoom. <laughs> I, I really don't want to agree with you. Is the thing. <laughs> I think I'm going to give it to cinematography only because of the part where she finds out she's pregnant is so funny. When it chose the Mother Mary with the Jesus. <laughs> I thought that was a good shot. You know, also in all fairness, beyond the zooms, I think this is a... I know we've been saying this for a bit. We're getting to the point where I'll stop, but this is a really good use of Technicolor. I think it's a very nice, colorful movie. Yeah, it looks nice. Every time the cinematographer, right before he left his trailer, he like, my lens is speed. <laughs> um, I'm going to break away and give it to score. I thought it was a... It was a nice little score. I, don't I enjoyed think listening to it. It's be mad. It should be disqualified, in my opinion. Wait, why? It's all underscore from the, the musical. Oh. Oh. It was just the well, songs that's not music. my problem. Well, this is also when they had best score for a musical picture, which is literally just taking from musicals. Yeah, but you know they submitted it here so that we didn't have to compete with West Side Story, right? Yeah, but I just... In my opinion, I would not give a score, and I know we're not supposed to do this, but having seen Breakfast at Tiffany's and listened to the score, I don't think that it should win. So I think that Caleb should change his answer. <laughs> nope. <laughs> That's another movie I'm that totally missed t- at the 95th Academy Awards. 
Sad. Yeah, a shame too. Nope's great. Um, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Sarah. I don't want to think about this movie any more than I have. So I'm bad I'm news. To you got to come up with a nomination for it. Yeah, no, uh, I have an old an old fallback, Danny. Actress? Yeah, I'm gonna give this to, to uh, Leslie? Leslie Karen. <laughs> to Leslie. Listen, her character is bad. It's it's a terribly <laughs> written character. Andrea Riseborough to Leslie Karen. She's fine. Like she. <laughs> She holds down what are some pretty terrible scenes. I'm going to give it best. I'm going to give it best actor because I believe this is an actor role. I'm going to give it to Horst. Uh, I'm not even going to say his last name, but I'm looking at his Wikipedia page. Butcher it. Butcher it. (laughs) No, I'm not going to. I'm not like you. I'm looking at his Wikipedia page and um, he made a lot of bad decisions. Who who is Fazu in Mulan? Which one is he? Great that's her. Fa- that's her dad. He played her dad in the German dub of Mulan. Oh, okay. Thank God. I was like in the U.S. one. <laughs> no, <laughs> that he he deserved it for being Ger- Mulan German dad. He has one of the absolute worst acting while drunk scenes in the Magnificent Seven, and I whenever. The conversation of like acting while drunk comes up. I think of that scene. It is so hilariously bad. I love it so much. Yeah, you can't even think of anything. No, I know something. I'm I'm opening up something so that way I have it for when we talk about the next movie. But I know what I'm giving it to. It's very obvious. It is the easiest answer I will give you ever. That is, of course. Guys, when did we start this podcast? Sorry. <laughs> Was it 2021, right? Yeah. Okay. Um, but no, I'm going to give it to production design. Nice standby. I think this movie looks really nice. The the, the bar. I want to go there. it look like Italy? Yeah. I love it. it. Yeah, it looks like Italy. It really Does made it me look feel like, like Pinocchio. Stop talking to me about Pinocchio. You sound like such a bitter fanboy when you talk about Pinocchio. It's really funny because usually you're really objective. And whenever you talk about Pinocchio, it wasn't that good either. It was like, a seven out of ten movie. The thing about Wendell and Wild. It was a great movie. Eight out of ten. Listen, I'd say Wendell and Wild and Pinocchio are both good. But man. Pinocchio is not nearly. The thing about Pinocchio also is look, if I wanted to watch. A movie with the exact same ending as Pinocchio that makes me think about the Pinocchio story and makes me actually makes me cry and think me about my mortality. I would just watch AI. I was gonna say you would just watch the Tom Hanks version. <laughs> Maybe I'd like that more. I, I firmly believe it's a possibility. All right, I've killed enough time because I I found what I need to open, but let's 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 let it open because then I will say what next week is because I think next week might be the end. Of a very long story for this podcast, but someone needs to ask me what we're doing next time anyway. So, because I can't, Danny. What, Danny? What, Danny? What? What are we doing next time? Well, I will tell you once Microsoft Word starts responding again. <laughs> but it's another film, and it's the return, final return, maybe. I don't know. That's what I'm trying to load up my document for, because my document tells me <laughs> what it is. <laughs> And I have a drum roll, please. And we'll be covering William Wyler's The Children's Hour. It's another Audrey Hepburn movie. 
big, uh, like a big missing thing on my. It's a movie I should have gotten to by now, and I haven't. So this is indeed our fifth appearance by Mr. William Wyler, and our final one. We will never return to William Wyler again. There is no other person on the podcast that will ever hit five films, unless Scorsese gets another one of these in this club by the time this podcast ends. Scorsese, spoiler alert, has four. This films in the stuff. But William Wyler has five, and this will be the fifth one we talk about. Pop quiz, can you guys remember the other four? Without looking at the document? No, go ahead. The letter. Letter. Let's double check. Let's cross check. You don't even know. I'm pretty sure he did. I'm pretty sure he did the letter and Little Foxes. I don't know the other ones. Well, one of them was one I really liked and you hated. Yes, he did the letter and Little Foxes. Those were two and three. So there's one before the letter and one after the letter. One of them, the one before is a movie you really like and I hate. On the one after is one I really liked and no one else did. I can't be expected to remember what we liked and what we didn't like. I don't even know what This I is liked. one that Caleb really defended and like has listed it before as like one of his top ones on the podcast. Dead end? Yeah. Okay. I always think of Greg Toland. I know he didn't direct it. He was a cinematographer. But he's the name I always pull out for Dead End. Um, yeah. One after? Was yeah, it one, one of the after is fairly recent, I'd say. Not super recent, but it would have been, I think, October or November we did it. It's not a very memorable movie, I think, but I think you guys would remember me liking it. And no one else did. The only one I can think of that is the crowd, and that was not that was not Weiler. Well, may I persuade you friendly to remember the movie? Oh, he did friendly persuasion? Yeah. Weird. So Children's Hour is our final William Wyler film. You might say Children's Hour is also another friendly persuasion. I mm-hmm. don't know. See, this is the thing. I also I know that this movie involves a queer relationship, or at least suspect like the suspect of one, the suspicion of one. I don't actually know how in depth it goes with that though. Well, you know what you will find out? Do you know who else is in the children's hour? Audrey Hepburn. And Shirley McLean. Oh. Coming right off the apartment. All right. I'm Fanny Vincent. Whoops. I'm Danny Vincent. <laughs> Sarah's laughing way too hard. That actually made me laugh. <laughs> what? It just, you said it with such confidence. <laughs> it was a bit. It's obviously a bit. I, was... I know, but it was like, it was just like so seamless. <laughs> I'm Danny Vincent. You can follow me on Letterboxd at Blank Mints. You can listen to my other podcast, Looking for the Ocean of Pixar Journey, where Caleb Asabon was just on to talk about cars. Maurice Chevrolet with a I guess that would be his car's name. Young, young wife. It would be his car's name. Hey, guys. Not only can you find me on uh, on Looking for the Ocean talking about cars, you can also find me on at Caleb from the Real World on Instagram and YouTube. From there, you can find my litany of other podcasts, Hot Trash Unlimited, Star Wars Therapy, and All New 52, which I do with our editor, Joe. Thanks, Joe. Thanks, Thanks Joe. Joe. <laughs> trying to think of something to ask Joe. <laughs> if you had an Ill- illegitimate child... <laughs>
<laughs> Who says I don't? <laughs> um, you can find me on Letterboxd. My name, Sarah Knopf. You can also find me on Instagram, uh, SGK29, E-S-S-G-E-E-K-Y-29. You can find us, The Snub Club, on Facebook, The Snub Club, um, Twitter, Snub Club Pod, and Instagram, Snub Club Pod. We'll ever use our Instagram, we will never know. We still use our Twitter, weirdly, but I'm the one who uses <laughs> I, I did give you the password, so <laughs> the ball is out of my court now. I will I want probably the password to Instagram, but we can't get it. <laughs> I, I did. Get, I gave you the password. Time. Well, I forgot. It. I'll just ask for it again. Okay. I'm feeling like All a right. real, like a real fan anyway.